your nap. Uh, good, morning. good morning. Let's stand together and begin to rejoice in the Lord. How many of you have something to praise God about this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you do that? Somebody just shout out a word of praise. Just not a whole, not a whole message. I'll preach that later. Uh, just just a, something you're thankful for this morning. He loves you. Amen. Ready for heaven. You made it. <laughs> he's all. He's not all there, but he's all here. He's, uh, his goodness. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's just start off giving him some praise. Before I pray, I want you to just lift your voices, lift your hands, lift your hearts of praise before him. And just all over the sanctuary, begin to lift up praise. Praise him on the, the instruments as well. Just give him some sounds and praise him on the drums and the high-sounding cymbals. Psalm 150 says, praise, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise him in the drums, praise him in the cymbals. Give him glory and honor with the clapping of the hands and the lifting and the praise to his name. of one to 
give you praise for who you are and what you've done. Inhabit the praise of your people today. Father, I ask that you would touch down in this place, impact lives today. I pray your touch upon those who are watching on the live stream, or maybe those who are watching this recorded later on, that your same Holy Spirit would touch down where they are and meet their needs. We're believing today, Father God, for miracles in the house, for healings, for restorations, for lives to be joined back together that were split asunder. We're praying, Father, for financial miracles, those that are going through hard times. Lord God, show yourself mighty today, mighty to save, mighty to heal, mighty to baptize in the Holy Spirit. We give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, shout out an amen.
Mr. Uh, Mr. Music, could you uh, cue up something to play? If you want to just go out and greet one another, nice little handshake, greeting, hello, good morning. It seems a little quiet in here. You all seem a little sleepy. So go out and greet one another. everybody all right let's gather back in you turn them loose you can't get them back in you know 
Good morning, good morning. Thank you. First and foremost, I'd like to welcome any guests that we have today, whether you're here in person or via live stream. We want to thank you for joining us here at Trinity. Um, Mr. Mark, if you want to come down here. Grand Grandpa, sorry. Granddad. He has... He has a uh, information card for you guys. If you uh, can slip up your hand and fill it out for us after you get it and just put it in one of the offering plates, that way we can keep in contact with you and you can keep up to date with all the events that are going on here at Trinity. Can we get a round of applause for all of our guests today? We were able to luckily avoid a crisis this morning. Pastor's tambourine went missing again, but he had a spare, so that's all right. The youth had a a really fun night last night. We had a lock-in, um, and a lot of them did not sleep. So if you were one of the youth that made it through the whole night, slip up your hand for me real quick. Can we get a round of applause for them and a round of applause for Pastor Carissa and all of her youth staff for all they do for the church? Okay. Um, yeah. Now, the ones that raise their hands, if they start nodding off during service, it's, it's not Pastor's fault this time. They're just very sleep-deprived, so don't take it personal. The rest of you, you don't get a pass, though, so... We'll know who you are. Um, I have a Clippers sign-up for a Clippers game on Tuesday, September 19th, and today is the last day to sign up for it. So we're going to be passing this around. If you haven't done so yet, please do that. It is. It is. Yes. Also, if you read in your bulletins today, this is the last week for our Buddy Barrel Decoration Contest. Um, those Next week is the last week for the contest. My bad. You can go out and see them in the lobby, and if you want to donate to an individual Buddy Barrel, you can do so either here or you can do that on Tidely as well. So make sure that you check those out. Um, we have... Our baptism at the Williams Estate on the 27th and if and church picnic if that's something that you feel that you would want to be involved in make sure that you sign up for that in the lobby so we can get all of our plans in order for that it was brought to my attention that we have a birthday today um, Rebecca is, is is that maybe you could you maybe stand up for us could, could we all give her a nice happy birthday? Twenty nine, is that right? Okay, congratulations. I hear that's the gift that keeps on giving, right? 
We're looking forward to next year's 29th as well. <laughs> if you need any more information about the events that are coming up here at Trinity, make sure to open your bulletin and read through that. I know Miss Linda works very hard on those every week for you guys to not read. So, <laughs> yeah, make sure you read those, please. If you want to stand with me and we can re-enter a time of worship.
Father, we ask for your presence to abide in this place. Anoint your word with your presence. We ask it in the name of our Redeemer, Jesus, the Lord our God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Praise God. I get so excited praising the Lord, I lose my voice. The Lord has laid upon my heart for the next several weeks a series of messages called Face to Face. One-on-one -on -one encounters with Almighty God. The Word of God is full of such one-on-one -on -one encounters. And we want to explore them today and in the weeks to come. There's some very special things to be learned by these face-to-face -face meetings and some things about the Lord and about ourselves that we need to address. Some of the things that I feel compelled to share with you today are not new to you. We have preached about them before, but... We find that it's not a problem to repeat things if they're true. Amen? Amen. Yet the problem is when people repeat things that aren't true. But I'm going to be responding to many of the questions that I've received over the years. And there's one particular question that of late has sur surfaced more than any other. And I've talked about it numerous times before in preaching and in Bible studies. But it's something that is troubling saints and sinners alike, this question. And we want to go to God's Word and to the passages about these one-on-one, face-to-face encounters with God that help answer some of these troubling questions. Sometimes questions are just questions. Other times, questions are from the enemy to try and stir us away from God, as it was in the garden. He didn't come with statements. He came with questions, the devil did, the evil serpent. And all he did was throw a question out and let Eve just kind of mull it over, and she came to the wrong answer. Would you stand with me, please, and turn in your copy of God's Word to Genesis chapter 32. We will not have time or ability to cover all of the one-on-one -on -one encounters with God in the Bible. There are many, many, many. But we're going to look at just a few that reference 
precepts and concepts that we need to hold on to. Genesis chapter 32, and beginning with verse number 26. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he, the Lord, said, uh, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What's your name? And he said, My name's Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it you ask about my name? And he blessed him there, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and help us as we walk through it to gain insights on these face-to-face -face encounters with you and the results and the impact and what life-changing things can happen when we come face-to-face -face with God. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to be looking at these encounters, some of them, not all of them. People who had a face-to-face -face with God and survived. Many people shy away from having a one-on-one -on -one with God. They run from it because they're scared. There's fear, not a godly fear, uh, an unholy fear. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The context of that portion is if you're living apart from God and you're coming face to face with God, you ought to be afraid because he is the almighty one and he holds eternity in his hand. Your eternity you're forever. Said it's a scary thing. We should be afraid to stand face to face with God if our hearts are not right with Him. I've told you before about my upbringing. My father uh, worked a, a shift that did not allow us to see him throughout the week. And on the weekends, uh, we looked forward to spending time with him sometimes. If, I, if little Kenny had been bad that week, I hid out from my father because I knew judgment was coming. Our, our home place on Westerville Road in northern Columbus had a fearful thing in the front yard, a weeping willow tree. How many of you know what a weeping willow tree is? How many of you have ever experienced a weeping willow tree? My father had a, uh, 
a way about him where we had done things wrong, he would say, go cut your punishment. And we'd have to go out and take a branch off the weeping willow tree and bring it to him that he might share it with us in a very close and personal way. I remember as a young child being afraid of that, and so I went out and I found the scrawniest little branch I could find. It seemed like a good idea until Dad broke it over me and said, now get a real switch. You say, well, that's cruelty. Well, we didn't have the access to lawyers and things like that in those days, and so uh, uh, we just did what we were told, and uh, I think I'm better for it. I saw a post the other day. Someone said, there's a generation that was not raised with the fear of the, the switch, and it shows. <laughs> Few amens, but I'll take whatever I can get some days. The Word of God is filled with one-on-one -on -one encounters with the Almighty. Some were planned by man and some all were planned by God. You say, but what's so significant about these one-on-one -on -one encounters with God? What's, what's the focus of this thought in these sermons? Well, first of all, one-on-one face-to-face -on -one -face with God encounters is important because one day every one of us will have a one-on-one -on -one with God. Every one of us. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. We have a face-to-face -face coming up in our future. You may avoid it now, but you'll have no option later. I trust that I'm speaking to most here today who have a relationship with the Lord that you know Him as your your God and your Savior, and you're not afraid to go into his presence. But should you not be right with God today, my friend, you will have a one-on-one -on -one with him in your future. And at that point in time, before a judgment seat, you will have no recourse. If your name is not found in the Lamb's book of life, if you've not been born again, you are sentenced for eternity to a place called the lake of fire. You really believe that? Yes, I do, because the Bible tells me so. I've heard a lot of teachings of men, but there's only one word of God, and I'm going to stand on it. The results of that one-on-one -on -one in our future are determined by the one-on-ones we have while we're living. If we avoid it, we run from it, we don't want to encounter this God who demands your sins to be forgiven, demands a change in life, we're destined to stand before a God who doesn't have to judge us. We've judged ourselves. 
if our name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, we perish forever. If I've asked the Lord to forgive my sin, to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord, and then I live for Him, I keep that relationship going, the results of my future face-to-face -face with God after death is a joyous one. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your God. But if I've not reconciled my life to God, that future one-on-one -on -one is catastrophic eternally. If I've rejected the God of salvation, that final one-on-one -on -one is going to be remembered forever. You say, well, why are you starting off this way? One-on-ones are significant because every person on this planet will have a one-on-one -on -one with God. It'd be better to have it now and get your heart right. Get your life right. Because everyone is going to have a face-to-face -face one day with God. The second significance of the fact that there are these face-to-face -face encounters with God answers one of the questions, one of the most asked questions I have received as a pastor. I get a lot of questions uh, this morning in Sunday school class, my granddaughter said, could, could you repeat what you just said? Because it didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> I appreciate her honesty. Sometimes people question what I just said. But a question that comes to me in a variety of ways is this. Well, I know that we're supposed to receive the Lord as our Savior, but what about those people who have never heard? What about those people in foreign lands who never had opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Those people who never had a missionary come their way, who never had an opportunity to have someone share with them about God and respond to the message. What about those? Is, is God unfair to judge them? Is, is there no mercy in God's plan? And perhaps some of you have had a similar question. I've been asked it by saint and sinner alike. The thing that I want to share with you is that the Bible is not a reference book on every person that's ever lived. Every place, every time period, it is targeted about, pretty much, some one-on-one -on -one encounters with certain people. Adam and Eve. Individuals that had a one-on-one -on -one with God. We find Noah had a one-on-one -on -one with God. And, and, and Abram and Moses and others that we'll be examining. It's not the history of the whole world. It's the history very targeted 
about individuals who had a one-on-one -on -one with someone and they became a believer in God. Genesis 12:1. God had a one-on-one -on -one with a guy named Abram. Now all we know about Abram up to that point is who his daddy was and where he lived. He lived in a place called Ur. Now that's not a digestional problem. Ur. It's a it, it was a place. It was in the Chaldean area, the Babylonian area, that, that region of the Middle East. And he was surrounded by pagan idol worshipers. There was no one to give him a witness about the one true God. You see, you can look back several chapters and find that there was a, a living witness in Noah who had an encounter, a one-on-one -on -one with God, and yet after that, we find that people began to go their own ways. They'd forgotten about God. They'd forgotten about a relationship with God. There was nobody to tell a fellow by the name of Abram that there was a God overall. Not a, a plethora of gods like the people of the Chaldees worshipped. A God for every day of the week and several for Sunday and a, and a God for this, that, and the other and every element and every, every river and every mountain. There was a God in those ancient Chaldean worship centers. There was nobody to tell Abram. Is Abraham lost? Is Abram without hope? No. Because in the midst of a place of paganism and evil, God decided to have a one-on-one -on -one with someone no one told about him. God has the capacity and the desire to reach down to Abram and call him and make a covenant with him that lasts to this day. Thousands and thousands of years later, the Jewish people and our relationship with the Messiah of the Jews named Jesus all dates back to a one-on-one -on -one in a land surrounded by paganism and evil, but God broke through with a one-on-one -on face-to-face and he can do the same thing today. Let your hearts be at rest, my friend. God has called us to send missionaries around the world and, and to, to take this good news, but I have some better good news. Should there be a place or a person who has not heard the name of Jesus, we serve a God who is not willing that any should perish but that all come to repentance and he can make himself real and visible and impactive to one person on a one-on-one face-to-face encounter when there's nobody else to tell them about God. God can have a one-on-one. -on -one. I've heard people say, well, what about the Native Americans? That was thousands of miles away. We have instances where missionaries have gone into a place and found 
They didn't know the name, but when the name of Jesus was lifted up, they bowed their knees before him. They were waiting on the name. God had had a face-to-face. -face. So the Word of God is not a, a story of every person, of every place, at every time, every generation. It is a targeted statement that God started off with a one-on-one -on -one to Abram, and there was nobody else to give him the message. Guess what? God gave him the message when there was nobody else to tell him. Similarly, in the weeks to come, we'll look at, at Moses. The Bible tells us that when Moses was called of God in a face-to-face -face that we'll talk about, where was he? Anybody remember where he was? He was out in the backside of nowhere. He was next door to the most desolate places, bush. Moses had a question for God. When I go back, you're sending me back to them. Who should I say sent me? The people of Israel had no knowledge of who God was. In their slavery, they had lost touch with God. And God said, will you tell them that the I am, the eternally existing one. The people of Israel didn't even know God's name anymore. They didn't know to cry out to him. They cried out for help, but they didn't know who they were calling to. But in that place where there was nobody for hundreds of miles around, except pagan priests and the sheep of the field, one man, Moses, had a face-to-face -face encounter with a God who had plans for his life to take a message back to a people who had forgotten who God was. One-on-ones tell us that God has plans for each one. And where there's nobody to tell, God can tell the message himself. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I'm excited about it. The answer to that question lets me know that people are throwing up these questions and they're placing them out and the enemy is behind the questions to try to get you to doubt the love and the fairness and the, the justice and the mercy of God. But it just highlights when you look at it that God is so merciful. He's not willing that any should perish. And if there's somebody out there, someplace on this planet, we may not have a written record of it, but God is able to go to that place where there's no witness around, no saved person around, no Bible around, and he can have a one-on-one -on -one with that one individual, and that person can find out there is a God who loves him. What a God we serve. Whether it's a Abram surrounded by a pagan culture or Moses surrounded by people who used to know God but couldn't remember his name anymore. We have no record in Scripture 
of other people except we do have like a reference to Abram's relationship with God, Adam's relationship with God. Enoch walked with God. And if you read the portions of Scripture, there was nobody else walking with God right then. Surrounded by paganism and the Canaanites and, and, and all those who are following the, 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 the lineage of Cain, of murder and evil and debauchery, there was no witness there. And yet Enoch had a relationship with God that caused God one day to say, come on home. And he took him to heaven as a symbol of the rapture of the church. God takes it upon himself to have a one-on-one face-to-face with people. It doesn't tell us about all the people of the planet, but it lets us know this. God has a plan, and God can speak to an individual that nobody else has talked to and call them. The third significance of these one-on-one face-to-face encounters with God is this. This is exciting. He's a one-on-one God. He's a one-on-one God. God is not just a group God. You see, I know we, we love getting together as the family of God, but my friends, if this is your relationship to God and it's only about your gathering together, you don't have the best kind of relationship with God. Hmm? You have to have a one-on-one with him. He has to be your personal Lord and Savior. Because coming to church won't get you into heaven. Giving your tithes, singing the songs, none of that will get you into heaven. You can't serve enough to earn your way into heaven. You can't sing enough or be in enough services to get yourself into heaven. You have to have a personal one-on-one encounter with the God of salvation. It's a one-on-one relationship. And yes, we do need one another. We need to gather together to receive strength and encouragement and to serve one another. The Bible tells us we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and that's the manner of some today. Just a side note. If you are physically unable to be in a gathering of believers We praise God that we have the technology to send this message to you. But if you can be around your brothers and sisters, you really ought to be. Because it's not about you. It's about us. We're strengthened by the body of Christ. The hand cannot say to the the thumb, I have no need of you, nor the eye to the foot. We are a part of the same body. Amen? Amen. How, many of you, how many of you have some parts of your body that aren't working real well? You know? Well, that's the body of Christ right now. Some are, parts are missing. <laughs> some are not functioning. And have you ever had to do this? I know we'll, we'll sit down to lunch up in the office, 
and I'll bring a bottle of water up for Linda and I'll have one for me and maybe one for Carissa. And then this is going to happen at every luncheon at the church office. I'll, I'll put the bottle of water over by Linda and she'll just look at it for a second. And then I realize she's waiting on me to open it. Because her grip, how many of you have problems with those water bottles anymore? Her grip is not, you know, talk about losing your grip. Sometimes, never mind. I'll just, I'll just leave that. I'm going to pay for that one. But, but, uh, but, but sometimes you just can't. And you, I was up at, up at Camp Syker working in the snack shop and, and we had these big, gigantic jars of dill pickles. The youth were crazy about those things. How many, how many of those did, did you guys have? I mean, there was like seven of these gigantic jars of pickles. They just come, kept coming up. and have, Well, somebody's got to open those things. And so I started... <laughs> And Linda came up, turned it upside down, smacked it on the counter, and then... <laughs> it was humbling, but I needed her help. <laughs> Folks, we're the body of Christ and different parts of the body need the help and assistance of the rest of the body. If you cannot physically be here, I understand that. And we praise God for the technology that allows us to share this message with others. We have some very faithful folk that this is their church because they cannot make it out physically. Or they live in another part of the country, some of them another part of the world, and are watching the, the services. But if you can, I encourage you to be that helping hand to your brother, your sister. We need you. We need each other. So it's not one or the other. Well, I'll go to church, but I'm not going to really get personally close to God. No. It's like the old story of someone asked Dwight L. Moody about what was mo more important, praying or reading your Bible. And he said, well, what's more important to you, breathing in or breathing out? Both essential we're saved by grace in a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. If we confess our sin, it's a personal thing between you and God. You have to have a one-on-one, -on -one, but then you also have a corporate responsibility to your brothers and sisters in Christ to be a part of the body of Christ and to help one another to those things that you cannot do, someone else can assist with that. As we've said many times before, there is no armor for the back of the believer. We're to cover each other's back. We're the armor of Christ for our brothers and sisters. We're saved by grace on a one-on-one -on -one relationship, but then we're strengthened by a relationship with our brothers and sisters. There is no such thing as a corporate salvation. We are not saved by attending. We are not saved by our giving. We're not saved by our singing. We're not saved by our, our works of righteousness. 
but we have to have a personal one-on-one -on -one encounter with the Holy God. He's a one-on-one -on -one God. If you go through your Bible and you'll see the relationship that David developed with his shepherd. We've been studying that in our Sunday school class. The Lord is my, my shepherd. It's insufficient for me to say the Lord is your shepherd. I need a shepherd too. It's that one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with God that's so exciting. We look at these one-on-one -on -one encounters with God, with the Almighty, and we see that God is not just about the corporate church. He's about you. God loves you. And God loves me. And you can have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. He knows your name. He knows everything about you, and yet he still wants to be your God and walk with you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's get to one of these face-to-face -face encounters that we read about earlier. Jacob, in Genesis 32, 30, it says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. We all know Jacob's story. He was just a mess, wasn't he? He was a, the second half of a twin birth. He was born second. His mother was expecting twins, and when when the first one came out, he was furry like a bear, hairy. She called him Esau, kind of reddish hair. But then she says, wait a minute, there's another one there. And as Esau is coming out, they saw a little tiny hand grabbing at his foot. And as, as Esau is coming out, the next one is hanging on and coming out too. And they named him Jacob. You say, well, what's so bad about that? Well, it means somebody who holds on to somebody else, hoping to pull them down. <laughs> A supplanter, somebody who wants to take your place. Have you ever been in in line and have people dish in front of you at line, what's that do for you? You know, I at the lunch line at Camp Soccer, I'm standing there and I see people come in and they'll they'll see, oh, I see somebody up in front there that I, I know. I'll go up and I'll dish in front of the line. No, you won't. Pull me back so they can get ahead. That was what his name meant. He was, he was a heel grabber. He was somebody that would try to pull you. Here, let me, let me uh, get a hold of you and I'll pull myself in front of you. And boy, did he live up to his name. A modern translation has rendered it 
He was a scammer. He would do whatever he could to get the best of somebody else. That scammer, that bait and switch person. He lived up to his name, didn't he? He went into his, his dad was blind. He's even picking on his blind daddy. And he, he said, I, I really want what Esau has. Esau has the birthright. He gets the double portion by being the firstborn. I was, I was just that close to being firstborn. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take what's rightfully mine away from the one who has the right to have it. And so he went in and he put on some furry garments and went in and says, hello, Dad. He changes his voice, you know. And his dad is blind as a bat. He can't see it. Is that, is that you? Is that you, uh, Jacob? No, it's Esau. <laughs> he says, well, come here to me. Well, he'd, he'd smeared some bear grease on him, and he smelled like the outdoors. And, and he said, well, I guess it is uh, Esau. And, he's, and Jacob says to him, Daddy, Yes, son. Uh, I, I, can, I, can you just go ahead and give me the birthright now, the double portion? Well, of course. You're my firstborn. You get that privilege. And so he blessed him with the blessing of the firstborn. And about that time, big brother comes in. He's only big brother by about a minute and a half. But he comes in and he swears, I'll kill him. I'll kill him dead when I get my hands on him. He was a scammer, this Jacob. And then he wanted a blessing. And so he, he was fixing up some hearty stew, and Esau comes in from hunting, and he's famished, and, and he does a bait and switch. He says, I'll give you this if you give me your birthright, your blessing. I'm hungry. I need that more than I need that any old birthright. So he gives it to him. Scammer. <laughs> but as it happens, when he was running for his life, when his big brother decided to kill him, which will make you run, you know, he goes back to some of the relatives and uh, he runs into a bigger scammer than he is, his uncle. And his uncle says, well, you work for me and you can have my beautiful daughter as your wife. Bait and switch, scam. He works those years and years and years and years and says on the wedding night he walks into the tent and Rachel's not there, the other daughter is. And so Laban basically says, gotcha. If you want my daughter, you're going to have to work seven more years. So the scammer was scammed a couple times. He decides, I got to get out of here before I lose everything. <laughs> and he's going to go back home. He realizes his big brother still wants to kill him dead. And he has a meeting set up for the next morning. And he comes to a place, and God decides right then and there to have a face to face encounter with the scammer. The one who wants to get ahead by pulling everybody else back. The one who baits and switches and tries to get ahead by the wrong way. 
And the Lord asks, offers him a new birthright. God comes down in a physical form and grapples with Jacob all night long. Sometimes those face-to-face -face encounters are like a wrestling match. God has some things he wants to do in us, and we resist and hold back. But he wrestled with God, and he didn't prevail. So the Lord says, uh, what's your name? As if he didn't know. He says, well, my name's Scammer. <laughs> supplanter bait and switch specialist I'm a deceiver I'm a crook <laughs> that's my name and I've lived up to it and he says but I want to change your name I want to change who you are I'm going to call you Israel a prince of God you're an heir of the Almighty. No longer a cheat and a trying to get ahead by pulling others back. He says, you're a prince. You have an inheritance as a child of God. What are some things we can learn about this one-on-one -on -one encounter that Jacob had, Israel had? First of all, God wants to change who I am. He wants to change who you are. You say, well, I, I've been born again. Okay, that's good. But how many of you have some things about you that need to be changed? How many of you got some attitudes that need the touch of God to change? How many of you have some habits that need God's help to change? Don't be like that person. Well, that's just the way I am. No, nah, doesn't have to be the way you are. Because God can take a scammer and a cheat and a liar and a deceiver and turn him into an heir of God. Hallelujah. He can change us. Some of the frustration that you may be going through right now is because you know you need to be changed. You need some transformation in your life. First of all, some need, need that transformation of being born again and, and saved, that one-on-one -on -one with God. But if you already know him as your Savior, could the Holy Spirit perhaps point out some things in your life and in mine that need to be changed, that need to be upgraded to God's standard? Quit just being the way you always have been and be changed by a one-on-one -on -one with God. I have good news. He's here today. He's the same one-on-one -on -one God. He's not just here for everybody. He's here for everyone. He's here for you. He's here for me. It can be a place, a simple you see, this place can become penile to you where you meet God one-on-one -on -one and face-to-face -face because he's just that kind of God. And he wants to bring a change to us. If you're, if you're worried 
and frail. He wants to change your nature to one of faith. I don't know if anybody here is like this, but he'd like to change some jerks. into genuine followers of Jesus Christ. He wants to take some flakes and make them followers. He wants to take some hurting and make them healed and whole. But it takes that one-on-one. -on -one. This altar of prayer can be your penile today. You can come just as you are, as the old song puts it, just as I am. And you can come for a one-on-one -on -one with God and know that he wants to be a one-on-one -on -one God to you. Whether you're saved or unsaved, if you're unsaved, you can have new life in Christ Jesus today. If you are saved and you're, you're struggling with some of the natures that are within you, and you've accepted them as, well, that's the way I'm always going to be. Just the way I am. My parents were that way. Uh, I've got that attitude. I, I've got this. You can become an heir of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus at a place called Peniel, where you meet God face to face. When we spend time with God, we can be changed. We can be changed. Another aspect of this meeting that he had, God can change us co so completely that our past does not dictate our future. What's always been your downfall doesn't have to be your downfall anymore. Well, I've always had a, well, you can have a one-on-one -on -one with God today. So how can you promise that? Because he's a one-on-one -on -one God, amen? amen? He's no respecter of persons. He'll do it for you. He can't do it as a group. It's not some mass hypnotism that causes us to change. It's a one-on-one -on -one encounter with a God who wants the best for you and he wants to change each one of us. When you spend time with God, it can change you. We see those other situations as we'll be looking in the weeks to come. But the second big thing about this change of Jacob to Israel in this face-to-face -face encounter, it affected his family from that time even until today. They're called the children of Israel. They're called the children of Israel. Now I know some of the children of Israel references in the scripture are not highly complimentary. But that one encounter created a heritage. The children of Israel came out of bondage and captivity. The children of Israel settled in the land. The children of Israel experienced great victory. The children of Israel inherited the promise. When 
Israel, when Jacob was changed to Israel, it affected every generation to follow. What am I saying? Your change can affect your family for generations to come. When you have a one-on-one -on -one with God, it can change not just you. It can change your family for generations to come. When a mom is changed by the face-to-face -face with God, it affects the whole family. When a dad is changed, it can affect the whole family for generations to come. Changed grandparents can change children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. You can have a ripple effect when you have a face-to-face, one-on-one with God. Each time that we travel up to Camp Syker and we're reminded of a 15-year-old of a girl that had her way paid to, to Camp Syker. She was attending a Methodist church in Columbus, Ohio, and she was in a very abusive and dysfunctional family. No one in her family was saved or had a relationship with God. Her mother was, lived in fear from an abusive husband. Her daddy was abusive verbally, emotionally, and was even involved in, in racial overtones. He was a member of the Ku Klux Klan and, and was brutal. This was her heritage, her background. But a Sunday school teacher paid her way to go to camp at age 15. And she met God there at an altar of prayer at camp. And she raised three boys, all pastors. And we have some kids too, serving the Lord, knowing Jesus is their Savior. I don't know where, when I'm going to have some great-grandchildren, but they keep getting married. I'm going to have some coming down the road. But it traces back. And on Linda's side, her, her mom, in a very dysfunctional situation, raised Linda to know God as well. And even though she had a lot of things adverse in her life, she had a joyful spirit because she'd had a one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. And there's a heritage that goes on when somebody has a one-on-one, -on -one, a face-to-face -face with God. You say, well, it didn't happen for me. My parents, my grandparents. Start a new revival with a face-to-face -face with God today.
Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. He's a one-on-one -on -one God. He's not willing that any should perish. He can make himself real no matter where. And I've got good news. He can change us, become more like him. And I believe I'm talking to some folks today that need to start a new heritage in your family. Just like Jacob became named Israel, an heir or prince of God, you can start a new heritage for your children, your grandchildren, your family, for generations to follow, affected by one face-to-face -face with the Almighty. Let this place, this altar of prayer, be penile where you meet God face-to-face -face today and are changed. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a one-on-one -on -one God that we can have a personal relationship with you can change us and transform lives around us to ripple out and impact our families. I pray, Father God, that you would set foot on this altar area as you did on that little place beside the river in the Holy Land. And you grappled with Jacob until he became a prince of God. Have some face-to-face -face time with people today at this place of prayer. And I pray, Father God, change lives. That people meet a one-on-one -on -one God who loves them and can transform their lives. I've laid out, Father, what you laid before me to share. sit down knowing I've shared it. Father, I pray for fruit for the labor. Lives to be touched and changed through the preached word. I ask it in Jesus' name. This altar, this place of Peniel is open right now. Unless you want someone to pray with you, it's just going to be you and God face to face, one on one. Come and talk it over with the Master. Come and talk it over with your Savior. Come and talk it over with the God who can change you. The enemy is saying, well, you are how you are. He's a liar and always has been. You can be changed and transformed by the power of God one-on-one. -on -one. I invite you to come.